Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Fringe of It's episode number 51. That was quite pared back for us, wasn't it? Well, it is Monday morning, you know, it's 10 past 8 in the morning. I know that we, that we can't believe how efficient we're being. I've got headphones in, I've got a microphone on, I've got water, I've done my voice warm ups. She's being serious as well. I felt, I felt enormous pressure when you said that because I was like, I've definitely not done any vocal vocal warm-ups this morning. How, well, maybe we should do some now. You can do how now brown cow grazing on the green, green grass. How do you know all of this? Because I used to go to drama school. Is it school. a theatre school thing? Yes, it's a theatre school thing. I went to, I went to stagecoach. And oh, I, I went to stagecoach, but this was, more, this was pre-stagecoach. Oh right, was this just extracurricular? This was this was Charlotte Jacklin, the the younger years, the the dance and tap section. Oh my god, we love to see it. <laughs> I can still do my tap routine if you want. If you want to see it one day, babes. I think I feel like there's certain things that just do like there's whether it's a tap routine, like a French oral exam, like telling people what you got up to on your holiday two years ago. <laughs> what you can just like you can just do them. Yeah, I can do the first two lines of my French oral exam. Oh, God. I don't know. It's just. No, it's embarrassing because <laughs> I feel like someone's going to message and be like, this is so skewed. This is not French. Please stop. No, that that's the thing. And this is like me when I was, I don't know, 15. So it was my interpretation of French. <laughs> well, at least, at least you didn't get thrown out of French class and put in German. I mean, that scarred me for oh, life. Oh, God. Well, yeah. I'm off to France on Thursday and Jack's like, oh, do you want, do you want me to practice some key phrases? And I'm like, no, back off. I can't speak French. But, I'll, you know. You felt, you felt a little bit attacked. Yeah, it was very triggering. I would like to say, well, we would like to say thank you so much for everybody um, who's continued to email us and send voice notes for last week's podcast. It's amazing. Please keep it coming. Um, we're actually going to play a little clip um, of some favourite books because we've had three more people um, message in and we've, and Jack, who is now um, our producer slash very annoying husband who just talks about the podcast constantly. Which and, I'm thrilled about. <laughs> you're thrilled about because you don't live with him. Literally every day it's like, so the podcast, I've made some notes or I've got some thoughts or here's some feedback all day long. I appreciate, I welcome that feedback, rather from him than a stranger. 
Well, that is that is very, very true. Um, but we're just going to insert a quick audio clip here um, with some more book recommendations. So thank you very much to the Fringe of It listeners. Hi, this is Jenny Brownlees and a book I've been really enjoying reading at the moment is the 70th anniversary edition of Delight by J.B. Priestley. It's given me, I think, a much needed joyful break from the frankly dishearteningly crap news around at the moment. Each chapter explores something the author finds delight in, such as a new box of matches, theatre curtains, Blossom, hello Charlotte, and even long trousers. Hi, it's Becky Foster here, and I recently read uh, The Confession by Jesse Burton. I thought it was really, really brilliant. I really enjoyed the relationship between the different females in the book and how the male figures were kind of just a side part of it. I liked the complexities of mother and daughter relationships, as well as romantic relationships between women and friendships between women and the different elements of it. Hi, guys, it's Steph. The book I really want to talk to you about is Frankie Bridges' new book, Open, which I read recently. This book was a really frank, super uh, look at her journey with mental health and really interestingly about her relationship with the media as well and how that's changed. Um, it's been very a la mode lately to talk about the toll that social media and traditional press has on our mental health. And it was really interesting hearing from someone who spent time in the spotlight pre and post social media and how different the effects have been. But also to see a little magnifying glass on the way that press and celebrities changed um, and the effects of that in a little microcosm of her life i just found chocolate on my top because you know i told you about what happens when nutella comes in the house after pancake day it's basically on everything and i had it for toast um, for breakfast on toast and i had to eat it secretly in the kitchen so that my daughter wouldn't see me eating it and sometimes she can smell out my breath and she's like have you been eating chocolate oh my god as if she's like an inspector yeah sometimes or like she'll be like have you been eating crisps and i'm like how do you know? You're not even three and you can smell it on my breath. <laughs> Mum, what have you been up to? Oh, I can smell something. Well, maybe that gives you an indication of her personal space boundaries, that she's so <laughs> close to my breath that she can detect what I've been eating. That's my kind of girl. <laughs> Sorry, we got a bit distracted there, but thank you very much for the book recommendations from the readers. Um, and if you would like to email us at the fringe of it, it's the fringe of it at gmail.com. Oh, actually, I've got one more email to read out from the post bag. Are you ready? Oh my god, the post bag. We welcome fan art, by the way. Oh, <laughs> it's 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 lightly encouraged. <laughs> right here we go. Hello, I've just listened to your latest podcast. So glad you're back. In brackets, and loved hearing all your book chat. I just wanted to write in to suggest a short story collection. Sorry, that's quite a lot of S's in a row on a Monday morning. I absolutely adore, and I'm sure it'd be right up your. I I can't respect like should, should i pick it up i just wanted to write in to suggest a short story collection i absolutely adore and i'm sure it'll be right up your respective streets it's called single carefree mellow by Catherine heaney it's an efron s collection about female friendships relationships and living in new york sold that's that's my sold not rebecca's sold it's hilarious warm and so insightful i think you'll both love it love rebecca I'm literally this close to just ending the podcast recording and going to buy it. That sounds right up our street. It sounds so good. Rebecca, you know us very well. How are you doing anyway this week, Charlotte? Well, I've just got my diary up to see what I've been up to because every time you ask me this, I can't remember. Um, yes, actually, I've been very, very good. My One of my bridesmaids came up to see me from London um, and we had a bit of a sleepover, which was great. Um, we watched the Love is Blind reunion, which obviously, well, 
I don't even know if we can talk about Intellitalk, but that was really nice. It was it was just what I needed. Um, my mum had June on Saturday night, so uh, I went to bed. I was in bed <laughs> at 6.57pm. Stop it. 6.57. Um, I was out earlier in the day and people were um, for lunch and my friend was like, so what are you going to do tonight? Are you going out? I was like, firstly, no, lol. Secondly, I'm going to bed uh, to see how much sleep I can actually get. Annoyingly, um, so I went to sleep at half past nine. We were watching TV, which again, I will talk about in Teletalk. Um, but annoyingly, I woke up at quarter past seven on the dot because... It was beautiful. The sun was... Because you'd had so much sleep. (laughs) Does that really surprise you? I was going to... I was trying to go for 12, but I don't think I can do it anymore. Oh, my God. So that was my Saturday night. Um, How was your week? I feel like it's just been a week of getting back into routine after being away and on tour and things like that and just actually getting back into a really normal routine which is so nice it's routines are so underrated i think we should do a whole podcast about routine. well actually i don't know how we could fill a whole podcast but i'm obsessed with my routine um i've been doing a really strict routine for like six weeks where i'm like bed by this time or you know earlier if i can if i can manage it um just like being an adult to myself um and i really really like it and i can definitely see the benefits Oh, honestly, I feel like I realise I function so much better when I'm in a routine. And when I'm out of a routine, I think it kind of throws me a little bit. Um, it's like so after it's... Christmas when you're trying to get back into your routine, you're like, what? who am I? What, 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 what? Yeah, it's very much like that. I'm excited for next Christmas. I'm going to try to stick in my routine even during Christmas just to, I don't know, see if it helps. Honestly, I just feel like it's been it was a funny week last week because I feel like I don't know whether I mentioned it last week but I definitely had a couple of like confidence wobbles um but I feel like with the weather perking up it's definitely I'm, I'm coming out the other side nothing can touch me in this weather honestly she says that she had a bit of a cry last night and I can't even remember what about oh no oh, why you didn't tell me oh no it was one of those Sunday night cries where it like literally was pathetic Okay, it didn't it didn't warrant um even getting me involved. No, it was just like I'll oh, just just shush and get into bed and what and just watch something or read something. Like this is a Sunday night wobble. Okay. Well, next time. I know next... I, I know you're there. Don't worry. You're like um, oh, you're like I know, the problem is I know you are there. <laughs> That's my problem. I need to talk to somebody else about it. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. I love you. Right, I feel like we need to move on to Teletalk only because I've mentioned or not mentioned three like three different programs that I've been watching and I just I just can't hold on to it any longer. So without further ado, here's Teletalk. I sent you a well, it wasn't a gif, it was just an image last night of me trying not to talk to you about a program that I know that you're going to talk about oh Um, my god just take it away oh so the trip is back I mean (sighs) I don't want to you know I don't want to air beef on the you know on the air but I didn't you didn't make it clear on your Instagram stories it was a new series of the trip I just thought you were having a nice time watching an old series of the trip and then I said oh no yeah and then I figured out it was a new series of the trip and I was like she did not make that clear that was not Claire. Well, do you know what? I was over the moon because I saw an advert for it and it promoted it being on Sky. And I was like, oh, that's a shame. I don't have Sky. Who does? I mean, I remember when you were growing up and you go to someone's house that had Sky and I was like, 
wow, yeah, this my, is cool. That was my nan. Oh, <laughs> that is cool. Um, so I was just like, oh, I don't know I'm going to be able to watch it. And then last week I'd had a really shocker, a big shocker of a day. Um, and I got home and I was in the bath. I said to Joe, I was like, how can I watch the trip? I was like, I will throw money at this problem. <laughs> like, like, can we buy the series? Like, is there any way I can watch it? Because I, I was buy just Sky. Honestly, I was doing just craving something. And I was like, I just need Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon making me laugh. That's, this is what will fix me. And Joe went on Virgin on demand. And there it was, the whole series, winking at him. And I was like, I think I screamed. I was like, that is the best thing that's ever happened. Um, and yeah, it's set in Greece. I think like the first part is, is it in Turkey? Yeah, the first bit's in Turkey. The the over the overriding kind of series location is Greece. Um, and it's just my favourite, favourite programme. It's so... It's weird because another thing I started watching this week is Curb Your Enthusiasm after never having watched it. Oh my God, I need to talk about this as well. Oh my God. And so having watched, I didn't realize, I did kind of realize. So Joe was like, well, obviously the trip is them playing heightened versions of themselves. And I, do you kind of know something and then you kind of don't? Because obviously I know that there's like, their relationships in it are kind of, aren't reflective of their off, like off telly relationships. But I was like, what? what but it, it's, it's a funny one because i was thinking about this in the shower so apparently they record five times so they do improv um yeah and they can redo it up to five times um but i just yeah it, it's in exactly the same vein of, of, as curb it's like it is them but it isn't them and yeah so i just can't make, figure you're... that out and i do yeah as i say i was thinking about it in the shower the other day thinking i just i just can't figure it out because you're made to think it's just them and you're kind of like and I I guess I, I feel like that's I get I get the Steve Coogan thing and I get how it's kind of heightened because I see that they play into things a little bit but I feel like with Rob Bryden I'm like surely that is literally what you're like surely <laughs> oh um so I think that this series has taken Rob Bryden into like legend status he has got yeah. me crying absolutely crying I just think he's the funniest man to have ever walked the earth. I just, his, like, one thing Joe said when I was sitting there, because I love Rob Bryden to bits, I was like, he's like, like, mentioned that I kind of reminded him of, of Rob Bryden, I could get words out there, and I was like, that is probably the most romantic thing you've ever said to me. What a beautiful compliment. Honestly, like, just, I just want to be the Rob Bryden of blogging, that's it, that is my goal. <laughs> In my eyes, you are. Some people want to be like the Kiaras, the, you know, the blonde salads of blogging. I'm like, no, give me Rob Brydon or Bob Mortimer. It was so good. I think, so I think both of us are trying to savour it because neither of us have finished it because there's only six episodes in the series and it's, once it's done, it's done. I mean, we do watch the trip on repeat, but it's never as funny as the first time. Um, yeah. But when they were doing an impression of... Um, Ray Winston as Henry the Eighth. Oh, oh my God! I needed I needed some oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh, it was so 
so funny. Um, if you haven't seen it, just to give you, I don't know, a brief synopsis, Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan travel around. The first series was in the Lake District. The second series, where was the second one? Italy. Italy. Yeah, yeah. the third one was in Spain. Um, and this one is in Greece. And it's just them road tripping around. But um, it, it feels like it's a documentary, but it's not. It, it's a bit kind of, they're doing acting. They're not quite the characters that they portray but they go to all these incredible like michelin star restaurants and they eat in the most amazing places and they just sit opposite opposite each other on a table kind of out impressioning each other yeah that is literally it's like laughing ear jokes and doing impressions (laughs) and me and charlotte like can someone just send us to greece please i sent you a message last night and i told you about something i'd bought and i was like it's for when we're in greece just while we're in Greece, we're just we're, we're putting it out to the universe. Send please. us to Greece, preferably with Rob Brydon. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. And he's on Instagram, which I saw you shared as well. Why yeah. did no one tell us this? Yeah, I don't think he's updating it as much as I would like. I might write to him and say, Rob, the fans want it more. Content. I'll be your social media manager if you wish. Can you imagine? I'd be like, Rob, can you just do that impression again? Once just once more. more. Just once more. <laughs> Honestly, it's so there's one scene in particular where they are at the at this restaurant which overlooks the bay where Mamma Mia was filmed. And I was just like, it's and Rob the way Rob Bryden reacts to <laughs> that the, fact, the fact they're going to see someone Mamma Mia was filmed and he had a picture with a photograph of the cast. And I was like, this is like live levels. This is like it was it, I felt I felt very seen. I felt very seen. That really reminded me of you. And my other favourite bit, sorry, we're probably just spoiling left, right and centre, just stop listening if you if you haven't watched the trip and you want to, um, is when he's driving, like Steve's driving him around and he's singing the theme tune to Greece. Oh my God. <laughs> that is me. You are you are the Rob Brydon that's taking pictures in front of pictures. And the <laughs> other one where he's singing Greece, that was me. I just, I felt really seen. He was like, you know, Greece isn't about Greece. And he was like, yeah, but. I love it so much and again like I said yeah like you said I'm savoring it because I just I feel like we inhale tv so much and then we're like oh I've got nothing to watch and I'm like we don't have to watch it in six hours I know but I'm literally like sat on my hands trying not to press next episode I, I feel the same. I feel the same. What else have you been watching? Well, I want to I want to go back to Curb. How are you finding Curb? Well, can I give you a, a bit of a, a backstory to Curb? Um, you can. So Curb is one of Jack's favourite, favourite, favourite TV shows. And when we first started going out, like I'm talking like in the first week or two, like he introduced me to Curb and I was a bit like, I what didn't really get it, but he really liked it. And obviously I was like trying to impress. I was like, mm-hmm. And then I introduced him to Domino's Pizza. So, you know. um so we were eating domino's pizza watching curb and and he really loved it but i just didn't quite get it and then over the years like we've watched quite a lot but i think the new series i don't know where you started watching is exceptional because larry always makes me like recoil and cringe and i'm just like larry like half of the time he's right and half the time just stop it um but the new series has got like loads more gags in so you get yes so it's a lot funnier. So you're almost like the recoiling is almost like a, it gets a payoff because you you laugh a lot. Um, and I'm like, Jack looked at me and he was like, you are loving this new series of Curb. And I'm like, yeah, because he's he's made it for like idiots like me who just need a bit more kind of Rob Bryden in their life. 
<laughs> well, that's it. So Joe, basically, we were watching the trip and Joe was like, have you ever seen Curb? And I was like, no. And he was like, what? And I was like, no, I haven't. And he was like, okay. And he nearly turned the trip off. He's like, can we just put an episode on? I was like, no, not right <laughs> Calm down. Not when I'm watching the trip. Um, and then afterwards, we put one episode on it from the new series. And I was like, okay, this is this is very good. Okay, I get it now. I get it now. And we watched the one with was it was it on International Women's Day? Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. Have I? Am I up to date? I can't remember. No, we haven't watched it for a week. I think. So we, I can't remember which one it was. There was that one, the the one where they went to their friend's wedding. Oh yes, where do they go? Some well, somewhere the the plane episode. <laughs> The plane episode where he stole the coffee beans. <laughs> where he stole the coffee beans and he has to guess everyone's weights. I mean, I think it's the... so stupid. But you're like, yeah, like like you say, like you're you're kind of rooting for him. You're kind of like you're an absolute idiot, and you're. It's just this this weird concoction of emotions you're feeling. <laughs> Yeah, and I think what's especially good about this episode or this season is like he's always had like loads of threads that like tie together at the end, but th- this season just seems to be even more. Um, and I thought that episode was actually brilliant. Um, and Susie just seems to have taken it up a notch on the um, profanities and Susieisms, and she just makes me absolutely die. She's so funny, and Leon as well. Oh. I love Leon. I really, I really enjoy it. I'm, I feel a bit like cheated that I've gone so long without it. But equally thrilled that I've got such a lot to be getting into. Yeah, I'd be interested. Like, so I do like the previous seasons. Don't get me wrong, but I'd like I'd have to be in a curb mood because like, it is very cringy. But the new season is a lot more rewarding, I think, as a viewer. Oh, so I've not started in quite the wrong place then. No, no, I think I think that's a great place to start. Oh, fab. I should have spoken about this maybe after we'd spoken about the trip. It seems like a bit of a Steve Coogan uh, themed telly talk. Sadly, Steve Coogan isn't paying us to talk about Steve Coogan. Um, if you'd like to send a check, you can send it to the fringe of it at gmail.com. And, um, <laughs> but we went to see Greed um, last Saturday. I, said, I briefly mentioned it on the 50th episode of our podcast, but um, there wasn't quite enough time. We went to the kinema in Woodall Spa because it's not on general release. And now I have watched it, I kind of understand why it's not on general release. As in, I imagine Steve Coogan's got a massive legal case on his on his arse. Um, basically, it is about a fashion billionaire tycoon, a British one. Um, and he is called, they call him McGreedy. Well, I can't remember what his actual name is, but it's based on Philip Green. Um, and it's a whole commentary. It's like, it's... It's a com- it's a comedy film, like definitely black comedy, um, because some of the jokes are you're like, oh, um, but it's trying to illustrate a point. Um, and it's about Philip Green or not Philip Green. Um, but it's so on the nose. I can just imagine that he's had so many problems releasing that film because they actually recorded it um before this series of the trip, but it's taken this long to come out. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it, but it's so good. It's like a commentary on. It's really interesting because I think everyone should watch it. It's a real commentary on fast fashion um, and fashion billionaires, but it also ties in the refugee crisis um, and the humanitarian crisis, especially kind of female orientated with garment workers. There's a oh, lot wow. of stats at the end. Like it's really powerful. I came out of the cinema, um, 
just saying that was like one of the best films I've ever seen. And I don't think it's got the best reviews, but I think it's so important. Obviously, I know there's documentaries such as The True Cost and things like that. But what is so great about this is like everything that he says, like we kind of know and it's just been put together in a way that you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like that is staring me right in the face. Um, And also... You know, in the first episode of the the new series of The Trip, um, they meet Kareem, who is a refugee. Yes. Um, he is actually in in greed. Like, so that was... It's kind of made obvious in the, in the trip, but like once you've seen both in a week, you're like, oh, Jack was like, it's Kareem. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah of course it is. Um, and it's just really good. Like David Mitchell's in it, Isla Fisher's in it, um, Asa Butterfield, who's from Sex Education. There's just... There's a real, there's some actors in it, as someone would say, um, but it's it's funny, but it's like this is this needs to stop. Like he, yeah, the yeah. commentary is all about fashion billionaires, but and the refugee crisis, which obviously I feel like Steve Coogan, um, a bee in a bonnet's not the right word because he should have. We should all have bees in our bonnets about this, but obviously, you know, he doesn't need to make films about this him and Michael Winterbottom. Um, And I can imagine that film was a real pain in the ass to make. I imagine there was a lot of things where they were like, you can't do this because it's so obviously Philip Green and about Topshop. And it's, um, if you can go and see it and find it, I would definitely recommend going to see it. Um, But I do feel like it's on a very limited release, which I think is very, a political move, not on not on Steve's part. He's my mate now, but I think <laughs> I, I just I don't know. I'm just I'm just assuming that they will have had a lot of problems putting it on general release. Yeah, but definitely worth a watch. I'm really really keen to watch. It's on the it's at the cinema near my house, and I'm like, right. I think I think I'm gonna have to see it before it goes because if it's a film and I'm gonna really like, I will I will regret not having seen it in the cinema. I wasn't really sure what it was about. Jack booked the tickets. We had some babysitting. I was like, I'll go see it as long as it's not a scary or horror film. And it's not what I expected at all. Like, as I say, it's it's quite funny, but it's also like quite quite harrowing. Um, and yeah. the ending, it's like a metaphor for, it's just a metaphor. That's all I'll say. Ooh, okay. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and see it this week because I feel like if I leave any longer, it will disappear from the cinema. Yeah, I'm definitely. Gonna have, I'll have to venture into more and more obscure territory. <laughs> what else have you been watching um when, when is it time to talk about love is blind it's now it's right now um so i've well i really really wanted to be up to date when we spoke about this um i can't help it if i if, if spoilers come out of my mouth where are you up to i'm up to episode five how many episodes are there episode five what have you been doing enjoying it like the trip <laughs> 10 episodes babes okay well i'm halfway through um and I'm so glad I rewatched it because I don't know whether I said this last no. week. Yeah, sorry, explain this. Yeah. But so when we got back from New York, I was desperate to watch it and we popped it on the telly and I was like watching it half asleep and I fell asleep during the first episode. I woke up during the second. I was like, "Oh yeah, no, I know what's going on. It's fine." not realizing that actually I'd missed out on a lot of key things, the key moments. So this weekend I went back to the very beginning, watched it all again. And obviously with the help of people like Sarah Powell's Instagram stories, who, if you're not following are amazing um, and have been making me absolutely crease with laughter. Um, 
but just trying to find like almost see the beginnings of these awkward relationships and what hasn't gone right sorry maggie has just shown up next to the microphone and she's licking her lips a lot um <laughs> so just, just as a pre-warning if you think that i'm like redistributing my saliva like endlessly it is not me um and i can't really move her because that will cause more mic issues so um we'll just we'll just we'll carry on um but i'm up to episode five they're in mexico and I just have so many thoughts. Right, so first of all, thoughts. Love is Blind spoilers coming up. If you haven't seen it yet, sorry. I mean, anybody that's slower watching it than Liv, <laughs> jeez, you need to catch I mean, up. In your defence, I forgot that you had to go back and watch it. I did forget that, so I, I'll lay off you a bit. <laughs> thank you. I mean, in fairness, do you know what? I will say, and I will comment on a couple of things, because I watched Gogglebox this weekend, and Gogglebox obviously has spoilers as well. And they showed the wedding situation with um, the fall over and everything. And me and Joe were screaming. Um, I really want to watch Gogglebox commenting on Love is Blind because I feel like they'd have a lot of thoughts. So whose wedding did you see? Did you see Damien and Gigi's wedding? Damien! Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so I saw that and I did not see it coming. How wow. strong was she to rip that dress? Did you see where she ripped the dress and she gave him his bow tie back? I just, no, I haven't seen that. So I saw her run away and then slide over. Yeah, which she went just, down. Oh, I really felt like, I thought it was really cruel that they showed that, but absolutely incredible television, but very cruel. <laughs> incredible <laughs> scenes. No, My I moral high ground was very skewed watching that. I was like, oh, it's so good, but oh God, I feel for her yeah stop following her keep following her stop following her give us some privacy keep following her <laughs> i feel like that's the thing like from where i'm at, at episode five there's only like one couple who's your that, couple well i think i think it's the winners because i feel like obviously in telly in telly time i'm years behind so it's lauren and cameron okay yeah i mean the golden couple, the one we were all rooting for. The, the only one that isn't dysfunctional. I, I mean, I think they're a bit dysfunctional. So what? Uh, okay. So can oh, I get... yeah. oh my God. Oh my God. So on Sarah's story, I did see him rapping. Okay. Take that back. <laughs> yeah. So he does some rapping. And also like, I feel like he can't keep his hands off her. And uh -huh. to give you a little spoiler at the reunion, he still mm -hmm. can't keep his hands off her. And like, it's like my friend, um, we watched it and, and I, she wasn't getting as annoyed by it by me. I was like, it's just like his hand has got a life of its own. And once you start watching the hand, it's like it's like the hand no. from the Adams family. And I get that, you know, you're passionate and stuff, but I kind of feel like two years later, the hand should have calmed down by now. Like it's almost like possessive. Is it two years later? Yeah, they filmed this in 2018. Christ. Okay, so when I watched this reunion, oh my God, okay, wow. Okay, right, fine. Is that gonna get some my extra motivation? <laughs> Yes, it has. But oh, I just, just think Lauren and Mark should ick, as Sarah Powell said, ick, ick, ick. Oh my, Lauren and Mark. So Jessica and the Mark. Jessica and Mark. Sorry, sorry, got confused. I Jessica was like, oh my god, I'm confused. Um, I just, I don't even know why she's with him. Like, I, I, from watching it and seeing like her, like so wanting Barnett, which I'm still struggling to. Like, I'm like, Barnet, no, Liv Bar Barnett. Um, I'm just like, why? This was never, ever going to happen. 
Yeah, I think, I think, because but some people have messaged me and they're like, oh, I really hate Jessica. And I'm like, I, d I don't really think we should be saying that. Like, I genuinely feel like she needs some help or she just needs like to step back and, and maybe she wasn't in a great space when that show was filmed. Um, because have you seen the bit where she gives her dog wine? I, well, I've seen it like, circulating and I'm yeah. like, oh, that's odd. Yeah. Um, and I just, and then again in the reunion, like you can see that she, she didn't enjoy watching herself back and she she actually just did make some massive life changes after that because yeah, it I wasn't feel... pleasant viewing yeah like even just watching her like it's just like it's like she's trying to convince herself that this is gonna work and like even when she's talking to mark and obviously she doesn't want to be very physical with him but i feel like she's really trying to justify everything to the point where i'm just like it would be so much easier to say look i don't fancy you whether or not that's physical, whatever, this, I, I don't want to marry you. Like, and it's almost like she's pushing through that the whole time, which is so uncomfortable. And th there is that side where you do feel sympathy for her because you're like, this was never going to work in plain sight. Well, apparently, um, hopefully this isn't too much too many spoilers but there's um an instagram account called love is blind tea which is like loads of memes and gossip and um and apparently the producers didn't expect the show to be so successful so they took five couples to mexico but apparently seven of them got engaged so do you remember that guy there's a guy in like the early stages who everyone seems to be like getting advice from and is listening to everybody and but you actually don't see him in like the pods or you don't see him get with anybody yes yeah 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 the yeah. one who talks to barnett a lot yeah exactly and then when once this was pointed out i was like oh yeah um so basically um it was so successful so i think apparently jessica got to mexico and after day one was like i don't want to do this and the producers were like tough i don't know how true that is and obviously i think there has to be something in the contracts where they have to say do or don't at the altar otherwise why the hell would you do that yeah yeah of um, course. who else kenny and kelly oh i feel like that i mean I, I i've not seen a lot of airtime with them yet so i'm a bit like yeah not really got an opinion on them fair enough who else have we got amber and barnett um yeah it's oh, i don't know i don't know i just I'll be very surprised if they get married because I, I just think, like a messenger, I think everyone's just really horny. Like, everyone is just horny. That's it's like it. Like, saying horny. <laughs> I really think that's it. I think, you know, they just need a good check. Like, it's just, they, you don't want to marry each other. Like, come on. You just, you've lucked out because you fancy each other, but you're both horny. Like, that's it. I do think some like somebody else messaged me and was like, well, yeah, love is blind, but helps that they're all attractive. I mean, not my, yeah. I, I can't say there's anybody on there who I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, we all need a bit of a longer hair for me. But yeah, um, I don't like, I don't know. I'll let you watch some more, but I kind of feel like love is blind in a way, but it does help that they're all conventionally attractive. Like they're, they're not going to be getting, I don't know. It, it's, yeah. Maybe they are just a bit horny. Well, that's what I think. I think, like, that's the thing. Like, Barnett isn't a bad-looking guy. He's definitely not my type. But I think because she's with him, she's like, yeah, wow. Like, I, I can get it. And I just... I mean, that sounded like I'm properly talking about it. But I just... I'm just... I don't know. I just... I'm, I'm not sure. I think Amber's... Amber's um, quite intense. Um, 
Um, who else am I invested in at the moment? I thought the whole um, is it Carlton, Carlton and Diamond. Diamond situation was extraordinary. Um, maybe not extraordinary. Extraordinary maybe isn't the word, but I just I felt like I mean I think he definitely has to like face a few things. Um, yeah, I think but, it would have all been helpful. I mean, to be fair, in the reunion, you do see like a lot of closure and closure. I mean, it is very American in the fact that they can talk about their feelings a lot because, um, but you do get some closure between Diamond and Carlton because I think that whole situation, it definitely showed like an ugly side to them both. But I, I think it was a pressurized situation. And also, yeah, I think he needs to go and deal with a few things. Like, I just don't think maybe you want to come out in front of the whole of America. I think that's it and I feel like I think he could have definitely dealt with it better she could have dealt with it better and I think I think I was more like focused on his anger yeah. and the way he was responding to things like I was very much like I said to Joe I was like it's not even a sexuality thing it's like the way he's getting so angry but obviously that's reflective of the fact that this is such a huge thing for him and it's obviously very pent up so I can understand why he was angry because I feel like you know rationally he maybe should have spoken to her about it when they're in the booth but equally I've never had to come out to someone so I don't know that kind of intensity either um I just thought like it was I was like oh it's a shame because I did I was like junior kind of you're you're rooting for people but you just think there's bigger things at stake here yeah I think that was quite apparent in the fact that they've only known each other for a week when that argument happened because like the wheels came off and it was like well yeah you have only known each other for a week like if you had a long time to get to know each other and this came up naturally rather than being forced like it it might have had a better outcome that's the thing I think he approached it in quite an angry way and she kind of reacted in the way that she'd been spoken to in an angry way whereas she could have probably been more like I appreciate you opening up to me and I'm like I'm sorry you're like experiencing lots of you know lots of difficulty and kind of talking about it and I don't know I just think it's it kind of yeah it got it it went from zero to 100 very very quickly it really did um what are your thoughts on a UK version because people are like oh I want a UK version I want a UK version I personally don't think it would work I don't know if it would work I feel like I don't know like it because I've I've watched a lot of Married at First Sight and I feel like that's a similar Oh, I forgot about that programme. Yeah, I feel like that's of a similar vein. Obviously, they don't talk beforehand and it's very much like you're plonked at the end of an aisle with someone. Um, and then you kind of work backwards. One thing actually with Love is Bye that did make me and Joe laugh was when Gigi was saying, oh, it's like Benjamin Button were working backwards. And we were like, you do not realise how far backwards you are going to be working. <laughs> <laughs> um what another thing that I really like that cracks me up about Love is Blind is the producers or like the props team's idea of romance. So firstly, like those wine glasses are hideous, but it turns out that they are like on Love Island you for continuity, so you can edit it to be the most dramatic version of events so you can't see like the wine or whatever they're drinking like change levels and also you can't see how much they're drinking because those bloody glasses Oh, do you know what it is? Like the ones at the moment where they're in Mexico on a day trip, the ones with Jessica and Mark, and they've got like a brown rim. Oh, oh, I didn't, I don't think I've quite zoomed in on those. They sound revolting. Oh. 
they are they're trub they're troubling. Oh, and then also, you know that I thought everyone was wearing necklaces because I thought they'd all been to the gift shop and like literally they were like high. What the yeah, I thought everyone was like high on love, like oh, I'm in love and I'm going to get this necklace, and I'm like, just stop it right there. Anyway, turns out they're microphones for anybody else that didn't realise because I stop. But that doesn't explain Mark's waistcoat. <laughs> no, that waistcoat. That, that's not a waistcoat. Wasn't that an inflatable to stop him drowning? No, it looks like a waistcoat. It was a, I think it was a fashion statement and I stand by that. I said what I said. <laughs> um, love is blind, right? We're going to have to wrap it up because I genuinely could talk about it for hours. Yeah, let's, should we discuss the reunion next week when I'm finally up to date? Yes, you better be up to date, wags finger. <laughs> I promise I will be. Um, so we're going to move on to this week's topic, which is all about creative ruts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Last year on the podcast, around this time, I think, we did an episode about getting out of a funk. And apparently maybe it's a timely thing with this time of year um, where you're coming out of January. You might have fallen off the wagon with any resolutions, which I don't personally think you should have to set. But I think it is that thing where spring's just starting and maybe you're just a bit like, Ah, um, but me and Charlotte were having a think about topics, and one thing that came up was how to get out of a creative rut. Um, it's something that we've both kind of we have ebbs and flows um, throughout the year, and I think it's something we've both kind of experienced recently. And we just thought it'd be quite nice to do an episode talking about how to be more creative focused and kind of address specific questions from you guys and the audience and also have some feedback from friends in creative careers as well. I definitely agree that it's it's this time of year thing. I think some of the notes that I wrote down about like being creative um as Liv said we've got some advice from some of our friends who are in creative industries so like not just kind of content creators like Liv and I just content creators sorry I didn't mean to say that but what I meant to say is um we've got a fashion designer we've got a coach we've got an interior stylist like lots of different kind of creative careers but I think genuinely we all put too much pressure on ourselves um you cannot create all the time that kind of phrase that people use about nature doesn't bloom all year round it's so so true you know in the winter especially in this country or countries where you get less light in the winter I think I'm definitely susceptible to 
you know, SAD. And I definitely get like lower in the winter, especially that January, February. The days are really short in terms of lights. You've just had Christmas. You know, it. I just think that we just need to put less pressure on ourselves to create, create, create all the time. Um, And I think, to be honest, from all the advice that we've got from everybody, they kind of say the same thing like you just can't force it which is obviously a bit of a struggle I remember when I used to work in-house at a creative team and we basically needed to have creative on tap which yeah which is I think a struggle of a lot of companies and their culture like you just can't force it obviously I couldn't sit around being like I'm Sarah I have no ideas today you'll have to come back tomorrow but you know what would be great in a situation in like an office environment if it's like oh I can see that everyone's a bit flat like maybe we should go out for the afternoon and go and do something inspiring to take your mind off it because I, I really feel like you can't force it no that is definitely something I agree with and I think I've eventually learned especially with writing the book that if I had a day or I literally had nothing coming to me. It was okay to just stop and refuel a little bit because I do think that sometimes if you push, 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 it won't end up with a break- breakthrough. It'll probably end up in a breakdown. Um, so sometimes it's actually best to say, okay, I haven't got any ideas today. Doesn't mean they're not going to come. It just means that I need to just stop putting pressure because I think from a lot of the things that we're going to be answering, ideas come when your brain has a little bit of space to kind of think and like actually have a bit of time on its own, if that makes sense, without all these other thoughts, like congesting it. Absolutely. And didn't you take yourself out for creative inspiration day the other day? Can we talk about that? Oh my God. So on Friday, um, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't just me. It was me and Britt. Um, and we, I really, really wanted to see the Tim Walker exhibition at the V&A. Um, and it's still there in case anyone does fancy going, I think it's on for a couple more weeks. Um, but I studied Tim Walker at school and I absolutely love his work. And I haven't been to an exhibition in London anyway I went to the um Lyndon McCartney one in Glasgow which again I think it's in Liverpool now so if you if anyone is in Liverpool and does want to see an incredible photography exhibition I will recommend that but I suggested we go and do that and it was like it's amazing because when I was at school we were really encouraged as part of coursework and research to go to exhibitions and galleries and at the time I was a bit like I don't have time for this like as if I was doing anything else (laughs) (laughs) like busy an occupied 16 year old like oh no um and actually after going on Friday and just seeing someone else's creative process it's so inspiring like even now with all these huge shoots he does for huge editorials and magazines he always creates scrapbooks and it like almost has like all his contact sheets and I was like how interesting and it kind of just reinvigorates you a little bit, seeing someone else's creative process and kind of feeling like looking at the pools of inspiration they drink from. Like he loved coming to the V&A and a lot of his work is inspired by the V&A, but not by other photographers, which again, I think, especially with social media, we're in an age where a lot of our inspiration is coming from other photographers or work that has been done. Whereas he was looking at like snuff boxes and like the, the beautiful art on that and then taking that and creating an a photo shoot and I was like that's so interesting because I feel like I just we don't do that as much anymore or like in the age of social media we're so quick to save images as inspiration I think that's great because I do it all the time but I was just it's so nice to just immerse yourself in something different every now and again 
Definitely. Um, I think what you were mentioning about the creative process, um, one of the quotes that I really love is by Nicola Ray Wickham, who's um, a life coach. She's incredible. She's a life more inspired on Instagram. I talk about her a lot, but she put something up and it's like creativity loves consistency. And I really feel like that's true whilst you can't force it you know if you're having a day where you're like I don't really have any ideas I think sometimes you just need to to rest and and whatever but actually getting out there um and just like practicing like going to exhibitions or going on a walk and like noting things down or sitting with like loads of magazines like actually setting aside dedicated time to be creative as frequently as possible and that's what I mean about consistency um and then another thing that I was thinking about when when I was kind of writing down my notes for this podcast was that I think we can be quite result orientated, um, which can also kind of dampen creativity. I was just talking um, to Jack about Betty, the, the magazine that I had, and in a, in a way, in in so many ways, that was a failure in terms of like monetary. Um, goals but it was such a success in other ways and I think that we have to kind of measure things like it it can't be like it can't always be like financially successful or creatively successful or commercially successful you I don't think you can have all of those things so sometimes you just need to figure out what is the one thing that you want to kind of get out of it um I've been like really consistent with like blogging recently and the podcast and my newsletter and it's just sitting down at my desk I because I'm doing it frequently and my kind of brain knows what to expect whilst not every day is the same like some days I'm like this is a real slog but I'm actually sat at my desk and I can get into get into it quicker if that makes sense rather than the procrastination that can sometimes come because I'm doing it quite infrequently or not at a set time but that's what works for me it might not necessarily work for other people no I completely agree I feel like once you're in a routine it's so much easier. Like I was saying to you earlier, I was like actually having a routine with blogging or writing or just at least trying to get into a routine kind of means you're more prepared for it. And once you get your flow, you're like, oh, I can do this. I am capable. And self-belief is so much part of the creative process as well. Like knowing that you can, you've done it before, you'll do it again. And it's like, just because you've not got an idea now doesn't mean it's not coming absolutely and I think I know I talk about my period cycle a lot but day 15 happened to me again the other day um and day 15 if if you're not really up to date on my cycle is my magic day like I am untouchable on day 15 like you want something done from me if you want 20 things done from me get them done on day 15 um and I think that's why I had a bit of a Sunday night cry last night because I'm on like day 26 and I just was feeling a bit like sluggish and overwhelmed and I think as females we really need to listen to our cycle because you have your spring your summer your autumn your winter and you're not going to feel as productive or I don't feel as productive when I'm on my period versus that week after my period when I literally nothing can touch me yeah it's so true it's so true I'm gonna play a little clip now from one of our first first creative friends and this is from Medina Grillo and she is an interiors blogger and author of Home Sweet Rented Home and Medina's just about to talk about a creative rut and one she's been in recently and her advice I think it's really important to recognise that a lot of creatives 
like myself will get into a creative rut sometimes and that's normal I think it's important not to beat yourself up about it and just kind of accept it and work out ways that you can work through it in the best possible way. I've recently had a creative rut uh, and I just had to look into what I felt was causing me to feel that way and for me a lot of the time it's actually social media sometimes you get really overwhelmed by everything you see everything you are hearing and that kind of blocks my creativity so what I found myself doing or what I what I did to help was really just kind of removing social media from my life for a time and just focusing on things that I felt would get my creativity back. So, you know, booking meals with my friends, going out for a coffee, really, you know, speaking and engaging with people that are very positive and, you know, get you thinking of creative ideas and help you to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. I also did things like simple things like going for walks, um, really being inspired by nature around me, reading books. I love to read. I think the it's so important to be able to sit down sometimes and just lose your, yourself in a book. And you, believe it or not, small things like that really help to get your creativity back. And as I said in the beginning, don't beat yourself up about it. Just keep going. So Medina's talking about being in a rut and she's been quite honest about this on social media. But I just think it's so important to, like you say, saving stuff on social media is great, but step away from our phones. I just think when we're in a creative rut, kind of scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, it's almost kind of like self-sabotage. And I think we always think as well that the more we scroll, it's like we're going to hit that big idea. And it won't ever happen. It's just, I know I felt like that when I'm just like, oh, I need to come up with something amazing. And one thing I always find, especially, which I've been talking about recently, is that when sometimes your best ideas come when you're not expecting or when you're resting. And I think, I know that when I need a break, for example, when I got back from New York, I was really exhausted and I was like, I really need to rest. But it was in that lull that I started like comparing myself because I wasn't creating or doing anything. And I was like, oh God, no, like I, I, I'm I'm behind I'm behind and it's knowing that you're not falling behind if you need to step away either yeah because when those ideas do come they might come at 120 miles per hour and you might have like 100 ideas and you're I don't know set for the year completely and that's like um I know I'll reference it later but I read a book um a couple of years ago I've got it next to me now um by Elizabeth Gilbert and it's called Big Magic Um, And she also wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And it's an amazing book. I think it might be, for want of a better phrase, a bit woo-woo for some people. But I think sometimes when you are in that rut, I'm definitely someone that I'm like, I will take anything. I'll take any way of getting inspiration. And she talks about ideas coming to you, which... I I think it's a really nice concept but I mean I I naturally don't think it's totally true I do sometimes think that actually you need to put a bit of groundwork in but she is very much she what 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 she says is that it's like when you get a spark of idea you have to act on it or you have to kind of protect that idea and go with it because if you don't you'll forget about it and that's the idea going to someone else. And then that's when you might see someone else doing the thing that you thought of but didn't do, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think books are really important when you're in a creative rut. Like you say, I love that book. It might be a bit woo-woo for some people, but I really enjoy it. Um, another book I really love is Sarah Tasker, Hashtag Authentic. I tell everyone to get this book. Sarah has very kindly recorded a voice note for us as well. So this is Sarah talking about a creative rut and how much they suck. Hey guys, here's what I know about creative ruts. They really suck and they don't last forever. I think maybe the biggest lie we are told about creativity is that it is supposed to just always be there like a tap we can turn on whenever we need it. Nothing can bloom all year round, right? That's what the Pinterest quotes say. And now I try and see it that way, like a blossom tree, that part of the year is bare and empty and half the year you could just walk past and overlook. But when it comes into bloom, it is so spectacular, it is so joyful and it throws its pink confetti everywhere. If you're in a creative rut, my advice would be relax and just try and give yourself the space to trust that it will come to an end on its own. And in the meantime, you need to stay curious and give yourself permission to follow your interest in whatever crazy direction it might want to take you. Often it seems like it's completely unrelated and it's not going to lead you to a solution. But I promise you, the Pilates, the gardening, the random googling of dog pictures, whatever it is your brain is asking for, if you can give yourself permission to indulge that, it will lead you to the place where creativity will find you again. And that's coming from Sarah. And I think a lot of people hold Sarah in in a high regard, not to put too much pressure on her, but I think she talks so openly and honestly about a creative rut and, um, or just how to spark your creativity and hashtag authentic is such an inspiring book. It's, she's just talking about just using what you've got right in front of you. When she wrote this book, she um, had a full-time job that she was maybe looking at a way of getting out and she just started creating. And I know it's just sometimes not that easy to start creating, but she talks about things that that might spark inspiration. And that's why I, I really love reading that book. It's so brilliant. And she, yeah, she's so good at kind of pinpointing those things. Yeah, I re- really, really um, enjoy I just enjoy Sarah in general. And I've got one more voice note from my friend Han Bullivan and she is a stylist. And again, I just I just think it's great to know that we're not alone. I think all of us think when you're in a creative rut, it's almost like self-indulgent, like why can't you do this? Or, you know, you're doing a job that you're that you really enjoy, that you're really privileged to be doing, like just get on with it. And I think listening to Han's um voice note as well, it just reiterates the fact that we're not alone. What I do when I get in a rut, I think my biggest piece of advice would be to step outside, get out of the house, get out of the office, um, because sometimes you just need to like move your body to get things going. Um, And I would say try not to force it too much, but sometimes you need to be working. Sometimes you need to be creating in order to pay the bills. And in that case, I would say, Number one, get outside. Number two, shut off the people that you follow um, who make you feel a bit comparison-y. Like shut off those uh, bunny quote inspirational accounts that you follow on Instagram and don't read other people's content. And number three, instead go and do something that inspires your creativity. Um, For me, that would be journaling. So get writing, just vomit your thoughts onto the page and see what happens. So also following along from that, we wanted to know whether anyone had any specific things they'd like us to talk about. And 
kind of any specific questions about actually getting out of a rut. So we have got some questions from listeners and I will start, I will ask you a question, Charlotte. Oh, and go on. Yeah. Um, so the first one I'm going to ask you is from Martha Lynn. And it is, what do you do when you've lost belief in yourself and the thing you're working to achieve? Oh, I think this is such a good question. Obviously, I don't know your specifics, Martha. Um, but I think if we're generalising, I think it's self-belief is such a thing that you need to practice. Um, I don't know if I've reeled this fact off before, but I think we use between like 8 to 12% of the conscious brain and the rest of the time it's the subconscious running the show. So if we're kind of talking to ourselves, you know, that inner monologue and we're talking to ourselves in a detrimental fashion, like you're not gonna get the best out of yourself. So I think we've really got to practice that like self-love and that self-belief um, either with affirmations or journaling, like, you know, what are the thoughts that are going through your head when you've lost that self-belief? Is it that you think that your idea is rubbish or, <laughs> I'm not saying your idea is rubbish, Martha. Um, but is it that, you know, you think your idea is rubbish or do you think that people are going to laugh at it? Or do you think, you know, if it's uh, more of a commercial project, you think you're not going to get any sales? Like what is, what, what is the worst case scenario? What is this self-belief? Like, and really dig into it as well. Like, who is that voice? It might not, not necessarily be your subconscious. It might be a teacher from the past or it might be a parent um, or it might be a friend that's that's kind of been a bit negative about, the you know whatever it is you're doing um and i think we can cling on to something that's been said to us years ago and we don't even know that we're clinging on to it so i think journaling is really good just i mean I've, I've never been one to keep a diary but i do really enjoy I, I mean i say i enjoy journaling like i don't but i find it so helpful because those thoughts can just go round and round and round and round in your head and as soon as you kind of start writing on paper, you're just kind of getting them out there and just getting them out of your brain. And if, if you have got someone to talk to, I think that really helps as well. But um, yeah, self-belief is definitely something that that you that we all need to be working on all the time. And I know we've mentioned her a hundred million times before, but do follow Lucy Sheridan on Instagram and the lady that I mentioned before, Nicola Ray Wickham. I think they've got some really um, great tips on on nurturing that self-belief. Yeah, I completely agree. I definitely think even if you're kind of willing to let something fall by the wayside, I think if you're if you've got a good level of self-belief, you do it in a lot more confidence and you're it's I feel like you're either able to pick something back up or say I'm going to leave that and put that down for a bit and come back to it when I feel better about things. And I think that's all practice as well, like you say, like it's flexing that muscle of being like okay, just because I've lost my way a bit with this doesn't mean it's shit doesn't mean it's not worth pursuing it just means perhaps it's worth putting it down and coming back to it when I feel a bit more inspired or have thought about things a bit better or just pepping yourself to go no no no, this is worth carrying on with and it is worth pursuing and you know even if it's just a project that is for me it will fulfill me in some way if that makes sense definitely well I've got two questions for you and um, which I think tying quite nicely from this so mind on the gap asked ways to keep the momentum going after you've had a spark of an idea I think I feel this all the time I think if I get an idea when I'm in the shower I think the best thing to do is do as much as you can with that idea as soon after as soon after you get it as you can so for example I when I came when I had the idea of the insecure girls cup the page I was kind of in the shower and I had a really long long wash um 
and I was like I went onto Instagram and I like made a little collection the saved images of all these things I wanted the feed to look like and I kind of wrote down some notes and I just poured everything into this idea while I had it and I didn't think oh do you know what I'll do it in the morning I'll have a sleep and I'll come back to it because so often if you just put it down it kind of you lose that energy and that kind of excitement for something because then you might sleep and you might wake up go on Instagram and then compare yourself and think oh do you know what that idea was stupid anyway whereas I think if you can and you're have you have the capacity to I think acting on it even if it's in a small way even if you're telling someone about it or you're talking to your partner and saying oh my god I've just had this idea and you're getting someone else's feedback on it or you're just saying okay I'll sketch something down and I'll do it in the morning whereas I think just doing as much as you can with it as soon as you get it instead of just putting it down is the best thing you can do because then it's almost like you're saying okay I have that idea I'm holding on to it I'm gonna act on it and this is what I'm gonna do now and this is what I'll continue to do with it instead of just saying I'll come back to you because if I suppose if you're Elizabeth Gilby you'd say okay that idea might then go on to someone else because it's like well you don't want me enough um which is definitely the woo-woo side of things but I do think it's kind of using the idea with as much as you've got even if it's slightly impractical it might might be in the middle of the night even if it's something that you're kind of just dozing off and then you're like oh that's amazing have a little book or journal by the ne- by the side of your bed write something down and then say right that's down I'm coming back to that or just kind of roll with it a little bit because I think they don't always wait around and you might not have the same excitement for it in a couple of hours time as you do now. So just enjoy it, lean into it and kind of hold on to it both hands. Yeah. I think it's kind of doing your future self a favor, isn't it? Like the amount yes. of ideas or blog posts. Um, I do this thing where like I write a blog post in my head or I used to, whereas now I'll literally grab my notes and just write down, like even if it doesn't yeah. make any sense. And then at least when I go back to it, that enthusiasm's there and that kind of keeps momentum going because you're like, oh, remember how excited you were about this? Yeah, I think that's it. Like sometimes I'll write a title for a blog post idea and there might be nothing other than the title, which is quite difficult. But then I might be, yeah, I was going to say in the shower again. I was like, all good things come to no, me in the shower. No, but it does. But... And that goes back to that subconscious versus your conscious brain. Because in the shower, you're using your subconscious brain to like wash and, you know, do whatever. So then it kind of allows thoughts to come to come forward to the conscious brain. It's science. Exactly. And that's the thing. And then I'll think of a sentence or something and I'll have to, and then I'll like write it down and I'm like, okay, I've got my into this. And then it kind of keeps going from there. But it's sometimes it's like that tiny little thread you need to pull. And then it kind of unravels the bigger picture. But it is just when something comes to you, write it down. Do not think you'll remember it because you will not remember it. I promise you that. <laughs> I still do it now. I still do it now. And then I've got another question, which I think ties in very nicely. And actually, I think you're the perfect person to answer this after you know, writing and releasing a book. So Karenita asks, as someone who creates for a living, how do you not let deadlines ruin your creative juju? Oh, I like that word. Um, I would say give yourself as much time to do something as possible, um, especially if it's a creative job and you have a deadline. Allow yourself as much time between the point you've been given the work and the deadline as you can, because I know that if I've got a project and I have a great idea for it and I leave it till a couple of days before, it's so much less likely that I'll be able to kind of act on it or create something as good 
with the with a smaller amount of time because it doesn't allow for things going wrong it doesn't allow for new ideas to come through if something doesn't work and I just think I'll just give yourself enough time if you can it's hard when you have a deadline that's very quick turnaround um because you're like I, I can't generate all the ideas but I think if you've been given a period of time say a couple of weeks from the moment you get something try and do as much with it as you can just like implement like all the steps I don't know say if it's a photo shoot try and play around with some ideas just give everything a go so that you're not caught out at the last minute by not being able to perform as well as you know you could do I know that even if I'm doing like an Instagram or something for a brand if I've left it until the day before chances are it's not going to be my best work it's not going to be super creative because it's going to be slightly panicked and thrown together whereas I know that if I've allowed myself that time I can play around with things a bit more I can be as creative as I'd want to be but that comes with saying okay it's like it's like a school project it's like anything it's like leaving an essay to the last minute it won't always be your best work but I think using the time that you've got um and just trying to like absorb like go out for a walk as well and just kind of yeah like we say going back to the subconscious brain as well just using that as well as you can and giving yourself a little bit of time to think about things not just applying this pressure by like scrolling and being like oh, I need an idea and just yeah time I think time yeah is I, the answer. I think uh, like scheduling in procrastination um so for example yeah if if you have a deadline it's almost like right well obviously depending on the deadline it might be that they need something by the end of the day but even if you can allow yourself like a 20 minute break at lunch to go for a walk and just switch off, like don't be immersed in the idea all the time. Like even if you just kind of read a magazine or, or just, just to change it up. And then I feel like that's when the ideas start to flow when you've given yourself permission to just take, I don't know, 20 minutes off or an hour off or an afternoon off or even a day off, you know, whatever the time schedule allows. Yeah. And, and also kind of following on from Charlotte's point, like have a different pause of inspiration. Like don't just feel like you have to sit on like Pinterest or read magazines, like try and drink from different things, watch films. If that's what inspires you, listen to old records or music that you love. And kind of, if you're drinking from different pools, your pool of inspiration will be wider. And I know that sounds a bit wanky and oh, I apologize. No, beautiful. Much richer. That's what they taught us at uni. I mean, you could be yeah. a lecturer oh thanks um but yeah just keep keep going from different places like it doesn't just have to be on if it's not on pinterest doesn't mean it's not a good idea if you can't find it there it means it's yet to happen so just try and pull from different places um like like i was saying with the whole tim walker thing like he got it from all sorts of places so there's there's inspiration in everything if you look hard enough okay so you've got time for a couple more questions i'm gonna ask you another one charlotte and that is from wendy buckley and Wendy asks, find it particularly hard to find the energy and oomph since having a kiddo, too many distractions and outside influences and not enough time spent actually creating. Charlotte, take it away. I, I just want to say I hear you, Wendy. I hear you. Um, it's really tricky after you've had a child. I don't know how old um, your kiddo is. So I do feel like it gets a bit easier. But rather than my opinion, I outsourced your question um, to my friend Camille, who is a mother of twins. They're almost three. Camille is a paper artist. She creates paper flowers and installations. Um, and yeah, she has her hands full. Like she doesn't just have one child like me. She's got twins <laughs> or under three. Um, so 
Camille says, she says it's easy to attribute a rut to a lack of creativity and punish yourself with ideas like, I already had my best ideas, especially if you go through the identity challenge that you often have to face as a new parent. I just want to say, I think this is an excellent point because I just feel like it really does take time after you become a parent for all the dust to settle. Camille goes on to say it can be a really positive thing to reassess. Um changes through having a child she believes it's really important to first try and accept that you can't ride out your creative journey exactly as you did before and it might be slower or it might be very different from how from what it looked like before um and then she said the next thing to maybe do is what do you want your balance to look like which you know is the elusive um balance you know does it exist to look like and setting up the conditions for that so maybe it's making space for somewhere to create or or time for so that you can get that excitement for ideas to free flow and allow that magic to happen. Because I do think, like she says, it doesn't quite look like it looked like before you had children. Um, and then Camille closes um, to say, essentially, she thinks, and I really agree with her, it's really important not to punish yourself in making the conditions for creative flow. It's a real process. And lastly, um, she thinks that a creative rut also works a little bit like insomnia um, or in anxiety. Sometimes you're kind of worrying about the insomnia or the worrying or the creative rut and that's kind of catch 22. So we kind of have to, to let it go a bit. Um, and lastly, she goes on to suggest, which I didn't think about, but have a look. Obviously, I don't know what creative like creative job that you do but have a look at prompts on instagram again we've mentioned sarah tasker she has a really great newsletter to sign up for um, where she sends hashtags of the month and um, but also if you're a maker there's march always has meet the maker so each day has a prompt so i mean there, there are so many out there and it could be a form of motivation for you but that also could be a form of pressure as well so just have a look and see if there's something in there that could work for you but yeah thanks camille because I think it's nice to get other perspectives of parenting because um, it can definitely be really hard when you've got a child and they're sick and you're like, oh, I was going to have my best creative ideas today. Like just just because your kind of child's throw, thrown a, a, a road bump in um, doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Just sometimes it can be a lot slower um, once you've had the small human. I think everything you said, even without a child, sounds amazing yeah I, I know I think that's the thing I think it can be applied to people that have got children but also people that are carers um and just people in general like I think we just need to be kinder to ourselves so our last question and then we've got some advice from Fringe of It listeners oh it's from Katie Chaplin and the question is any advice about turning ideas into reality I never know where to start okay I've thought about this one over and over again and Maybe Liv has some better advice than me, but you just need to start. It sounds so obvious. And I think we can put things off over and over again. And sometimes you just need to force yourself to sit down at the chair or the desk or whatever like creative space that you've got and actually start. Um, put the radio on. What I like to do is go through my checklist of distractions. So for example, if I need a wee, do I need a drink? I like to have a glass of water and a cup of tea, maybe a few snacks. I've been for, uh, yeah, I've been for a wee. I don't know why I keep reiterating this point. <laughs> um, put the radio on. So I kind of know that I have no distractions for, for like 90 minutes or two hours. Um, and can I just say at this point, can I plug my hourglass? 
Yes. <laughs> so I, I thought, thought you never would. I know. I've bought a sand timer. And you don't need to buy a sand timer, but you might just want to put the timer on your phone and then put your phone like outside the door for like 90 minutes or two hours or, you know, 20 minutes, whatever works for you. But it's just allowing yourself that time um, and just kind of knowing what kind of person you are as well. Like, what are your distractions? As I say, mine's constantly going to the bathroom or getting some water or, you know, Whereas if I have all those things, like I literally can't, there's no reason for me to move really. Um, and I find that really helpful, but I don't know if that would work for everybody. Liv? I completely agree. One thing you told me years and years ago was you, can, you can't you can improve if you never put it out there or like it, like it will never be perfect when you first put something out there, but you can't improve if you never start. And I think that really sticks because it's like, it's never going to be perfect when you th- first try something, but it's about trying shit <laughs> seeing what sticks um and improving on it as well and just you know my first blog post was shocking but it took it didn't take 10 years to write a good blog post i hope but the more you do something the better it'll be and it's just keeping at it and just doing it just trying it and it won't be perfect it, i mean if it is that's it could be perfect but if it's not, doesn't mean it's awful either. Just keeping at it and dipping your toe into it and giving up, being gentle with yourself as well if things don't work out first time and just not being like, oh, I knew it would be like this. But just being gentle and giving it a go. Yeah, I think what you said about the 10 years, it doesn't take 10 years. Um, but I did a shoot last week and I have shot the best image I've ever shot ever. And I feel like finally my ideas and my outcomes are on like on track oh my god i want to see this image i'm so sorry to <laughs> no it's fine I, I sent you it. it's the one with the it's not even that exciting it's the one with the flower cake and the candle oh my yeah it's beautiful i mean it could be a book cover but um you just have to keep practicing and i think we need to remember that like creativity is almost like a sport like you're not going to get better and i know that's very subjective but you're not going to meet the I don't know, maybe the ideas in your head unless you keep practicing and you keep putting them out there and, and you keep going. Um, sometimes shoots don't turn out like I think they are and other times more so as I'm getting older and, and just are practicing more and, and I've got this creative process. I'm like, oh, that turned out how I imagined it in my head, which is kind of creative gold, I think, to me. That's like a, a really important thing um, that I'm getting a lot of satisfaction from. hope that didn't sound mm. too braggy it didn't at all you've got to you've got you've got to enjoy it um and so we're going to close now i feel like i really enjoyed this episode because we got some external opinions not just live and i um some really talented um friends of ours so thank you so much but we have some advice from listeners as well so i'm just gonna um read a couple of those out um and saza I think that's how you pronounce it. It's S-A-Z-Z-E-R-R, Saza, yeah. She says, leaving your work environment does a world of good for brain fog, which I totally agree with. If it's not working, get off that bum um, and change your surroundings. Um, Stone, Salt and Sunshine says, looking for inspiration out in the nature and city helps. So I feel like, I feel like I say some things and I'm thinking, is this is this advice? Is this good advice? But I think when when more than three people are saying it, it's okay. We we can yeah. we can deem it as okay advice. Um, and then Kirsty Alex Hampshire said the best thing I've ever heard, and it was from Brené Brown, is that you have to replenish the creative well. So I think all of those are telling you to have a break. Yeah, 
Give yourself a break. We've mentioned hashtag authentic by Sarah Tasker. We've mentioned Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, but also I had a suggestion for The Artist Way by Julia Cameron and Two Greedy Girls suggested that. But if you've got any more book suggestions on creativity or any more resources, we'd love to hear them and we will share them in next week's episode. We would love that. But thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to catch up with us in between episodes um we have the facebook group um which is facebook.com forward slash group forward slash groups forward slash the fringe of it we're also on twitter which is at the fringe of it and i'm at live purvis and i'm at charlotte jacqueline on instagram um also you can head to live's blog which is www.whatoliviadid.com and mine which is charlottejacqueline.com if you would like to review and rate us it helps other people find us. Um, but yeah, the Facebook group is where the action is happening. It's all over there. But thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week and have a gorgeous week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.